Luke 3, verse 16. John answered, saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and will gather the wheat into his garner, but the chaff he will burn with fire unquenchable. If you don't mind, and I don't use this version very often, but it's very, it's just down to earth. I don't know who wrote it, but the Message Bible, I don't know, I don't always even agree with some of their vernacular, but this particular verse, I want to read it in the Message Bible because he said, John intervened. I'm baptizing you here in the river. The main character in this drama to whom I'm mere a stagehand will ignite the kingdom life of fire, the Holy Ghost within you, changing from the inside out. Verse 17, he's going to clean house, make a clean sweep of your lives. He'll place everything true in its proper place before God. Everything false, he'll put out with the trash to be burned. Now that tells it like it is. And I want to preach to you this morning from the 17th verse, the first few words in the King James Version. It said, whose fan is in his hand. And I will preach today, his fan is in his hand. You may be seated. I don't think there's a soul in this building that would deny the fact that we are living in different days. When I say different days, I mean different days. We are, uh, we are people, and you've heard me say it many times, but it's truer now than it ever has been. We are people upon whom the ends of the world have come. If you read the Bible at all, you cannot help but understand that the prophecies of the Bible are happening and coming true all around us. You, you see it on the internet, you see it on TV, in the newspapers, you hear it on the radio. Every day it seems like just another, another confirmation that we are people that are truly in the last days. I, I want to deal with that for just a little bit today, but First of all, let me lay a little foundation. Jesus, we know him as the baptizer because he, John said, he would baptize us with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And I like to think of Jesus as a loving God and a man of peace and a God that cares, and he is, he's all those things, and a baptizer of the Holy Ghost. How many of you know Jesus still baptizes us with the Holy Ghost and fire? He does that. But I, wanna, I want to come this morning to present another side to Jesus. Because he's not only a baptizer, he's a thresher. He is both a God of mercy and a God of judgment. 
He will not always be a man of peace. As a matter of fact, this meek and lowly Jesus proclaimed by religious scholars in our world really bears no similarity to what Jesus paints himself in the scriptures. It was the Prince of Peace who said this, think not that I am come to send peace on the earth. I came not to send peace but a sword. If God's word divides the righteous, or it is God's word that divides the righteous and the unrighteous. It was the writer of Hebrews that picked up the pen and said, for the word of God is quick and it's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Paul wrote that. He said that's what the Word of God is to us. This feel-good religion feels good, but it's not always good. It shouldn't always pamper us and pet us, and we, we shouldn't always leave church feeling like a million dollars. Sometime we need to leave convicted. We need to leave moved by the Holy Ghost. I believe there's joy in serving God. Please don't get me wrong. But throughout the teachings and the earthly ministry, Jesus emphasized that there were two camps claiming to be his kingdom. However, one group would be his real people and the other would be Similar, but not there. Perhaps, perhaps I can paint you the picture this morning, but the smaller of the two is the church of the living God. There is a church within a church. You can believe what I'm saying or not, and I'm going to preach to you this morning about this particular thing. Luke chapter 13 said in verse 23, then said one unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? And he said unto them, Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, somebody here say many. He said, Many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. When once the master of the house is risen up and hath shut the door, hath hath shut to the door, and ye began to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us, and he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence ye are. Then shall ye begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in thy presence, and, and thou hast talked in our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I know you not whence ye are. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. The Lord said in the scripture that he is going to divide the sheep from the goats. You can say amen or oh me. I'm going to preach any way you want it. Amen. This is what the Lord talked to me about today. We are living in a time
time when we have more spectators than we do players on the field. We are living at a time where people are playing church and they're going through motions and they're there on Sunday and they even, some of them, come on Wednesday. You want to know who the real church is? I'll see you Wednesday at 7. Oh, that hurt, didn't it? Amen. But we are living in a time when people are not taking church or God are living for God really serious. It has become more of a cliche. It's more of just kind of the end thing to do. But Jesus said, when you get to the end of it all, there's going to be some of you that are going to be knocking saying, let us in. And he's going to say, I don't know you. And you're going to say, but we went to church on Sunday and we paid our tithes every week. And we were, we were there, but he's going to say, sorry, I never knew you. Now, the way that you really know him is through the intimacy of the power of the Spirit. The way you really get to know him is to be close to him and, and in, involved with him and have a relationship with him that nothing or anybody can stop. So I'm preaching today that we are living in the times when his fan is in his hand and we have some that will fall as chaff and some that will fall as wheat and only God will determine that. Let me tell you what he told a story in Matthew 25, Jesus did about 10 virgins. He divided them. He said five were wise and five were foolish. You know why five were foolish? Because they didn't do what they, they should have done. The Bible said when the cry came at midnight, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. That, that the cry went out and all of those virgins got ready because the bridegroom was coming. This is what Jesus told. He said, but five of them, five, half of them had no oil in their lamp. They weren't ready to meet the bridegroom. And so they scurried away. First of all, they tried to borrow oil from those that did have oil. Honey, I can't save you. Honey, I can't do anything for you. I don't have any oil you can borrow. But I got a God that will save you if you'll go to him. He's got oil for your lamp. Hallelujah. Who's going to help me preach here today? I'm going to preach Pentecostal style here today since that's what we are. Listen to me this morning. The five foolish virgins had to scurry away and they found all in another place. But when they got back to, to the place where the bridegroom was, he had already shut the door. And when they knocked on the door, the answer was, sorry, it's too late. I wonder how many people, if they knew Jesus was coming Sunday evening at three o'clock, even before the Super Bowl. I wonder if they would have been in church on a Sunday morning. I wonder if you that laid home and watched your coffee and are watching by internet because you didn't want to get up and get ready 
ready. I'm preaching to you. I wonder today if he comes this evening, would you be one of the five wise or five foolish virgins? Anybody going to preach with me today? His fan in his hand. He's about to clean us up. He's about to get us to where we ought to be. Either you are or you are not. Who's going to take the place and say, I will be? Matthew 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus tells of two ways, a broad way and a narrow way. And he said a lot of folks are going the broad way. But a few, few. He said straight is the gate and narrow is the way and few there be that find it. Few there be. If you think for a minute, everybody that says they got religion is going to heaven, you have been shortchanged and religiously gypped. You better have your soul on fire. You better have a Holy Ghost experience. You better go to the altar of prayer and make sure there's no sin in your life. You better do it on a daily basis because there's a broad way and a narrow way. And the broad way, the Bible said, many will go in there, but the narrow way, there be that find it. I didn't say it. Jesus did. You want, you want another? He said there's two kind of trees. There's a good tree and there's a corrupt tree. And if you're not bearing fruit, you're going to be hewed down. And the axe is now laid at the foot of the tree. We are living in that hour. He said there's two houses. There's one that's been built on rock. There's one that's been built on sand. There's a storm coming. The one on rock's going to stand. The one on sand's going to sink. How, how in the world can we deny that we are living in these very times. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I present to you on a Sunday morning, Jesus is not contrasting the church with the world in these scriptures. He is contrasting the church within the church. I've been around a long time now. I was thinking this morning, I was praying, I told God this, God, look, Y'all think I didn't tell him this. I did. I said, I about said everything I know to say. You're going to have to help me here. I told my wife that last night before I went to bed. I, said, I thought I preached everything I know to preach. So I'm just going to start over and preach it all over again. Because some of you didn't get it, and I preached some of it ten times, and you still hadn't got it. But here's what the Lord said. He said, my fan is in my and there's going to be a cleansing in the last day. I, read, I, 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 I talked about a scripture, and I'm going to get to it in a few minutes. But the book of Hebrews, Paul said, there's going to come a time when everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Everything that can be moved will be moved. Anybody believe that today? Here's what Jesus said. He said in, in, in chapter 7 of Matthew, verse 21, he said this. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Verse 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, watch this, folks. Have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? You... Do you remember us prophesying and casting out devils 
and doing the miracles and the works and the signs. Do you know? And, and the Lord said, then I'm going to profess to you or profess unto them. I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You know what I'm sick of? I'm sick of false prophets. Why don't I just get down here and preach a little while? You say, how do you know they're false prophets? Because what they say, it ain't coming true. You know what the Bible said about a prophet? Leave him alone. The day will declare it. But when the day declares it, he's a false prophet. Hello? Anybody believe that? About a third of you? Anybody believe that? If he don't tell the truth, he's a false prophet. Jesus said, it doesn't matter that you've been prophesying. It doesn't matter that you've been casting out devils. So what if you cast out a devil? So what? So what if you've done many wonderful works? And that that could cover a lot of territory. He said, still, you had no relationship with me. You weren't close enough. You didn't get to where I was. You were going through the motions. Let me tell you, every church has routine. Every church, every church goes through ritual. And we even have them here. But God help us not to ever get so bogged down in ritual and routine that we can't follow the leading of the Holy Ghost. That we can't do what God wants us to do. It don't have to be three or four songs and the preacher preach. I would pray that God would break in upon us and baptize us with a fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost and fire. You will not get close to God without that. Contrast that scripture with this scripture. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12 and 3, I'm giving you word today. Wherefore I give to you, give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Don't tell me you're a prophet. Show me your Holy Ghost. Don't tell me, don't tell me that you're such a wonderful Christian. Show me by the fruit you bear. Jesus is not looking for those that profess. He is looking for those that possess. The division which takes place at the judgment will be absolutely shocking as the hidden and the careless iniquity of all mankind will be exposed because people that you may think and you they may have fooled you and they may have fooled me. My God, I'm preaching to you today. Would somebody hear me this morning? Uh, everything is going to be exposed in judgment. I read something the other day that, that I thought was pretty powerful. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna use part of it here this morning. It's called 300 Silence Pulpits. So I'm gonna read what somebody else wrote. That'd be all right with you. 600,000 children between the age of three and 18 are involved in child pornography. 20,000 of them will disappear every year, never to be seen again. And 300,000 pulpits are silent. You ready? The networks make a mockery of Christians. The Christian faith and the Christian values within nearly every show they air 
It's greed and materialism and violence and sexual immorality and standard, their standard fare. Program after program, movie after movie contains anti-Christian episodes and plots. News articles condescendingly refer to the fundamental right-wing Christians, those who speak out for the sacredness of life. They are branded extremists and 300,000 pulpits are silent. Religion of our day. Listen, teenage suicide is the highest it has ever been in history. The number of teenage alcoholics and drug addicts is the highest ever. Christian morality cannot be taught in schools, but atheistic immorality is allowed. Divorce is taking approximately one of every two marriages. The number of children living in broken homes is fast becoming a majority. And 300,000 pulpits are silent. Rape has increased 700% in the last 50 years. And that takes into consideration the population growth. One in four 12-year-old girls will be sexually assaulted in her lifetime. Pornography has become an $8 billion business with some of the largest companies in America involved. CBS, RCA, Coca-Cola, 7-Eleven, Time Incorporated, and 300,000 pulpits are silent. You want to know what time it is? I'm telling you right now, rock music fills the airways and our children's minds with music, which and our fills the airways and our children's mind with music, which legitimizes rape, murder, adultery, satanic worship, and etc. And three hundred thousand pulpits in America are silent. I know it's quiet, it's okay. Thousands of so-called Christians are succumbing daily to the pressures of a politically correct society, compromising for personal convenience and societal acceptance. The non-negotiable principles of the scripture, they have surrendered holiness because it is too burdensome and they've laid truth to rest in the cold grave of tolerance because it's too exclusive and inflammatory. And 300 thousand pulpits are silent not this one did you hear me not this one I don't care if you leave or stay but I'm going to preach the truth I'm going to tell you we are living in the times when it's just about near religion and no relationship somebody has got to come to Calvary somebody has got to get a blood wash somebody's got to get a soul cleanse because we don't want to be those foolish virgins In Matthew 13, on the same day that the Pharisees accused him of having a devil, Jesus told several parables which define the nature of his kingdom. And more than half of them deal with the presence of evildoers who try to hide themselves in the kingdom. You know what communism said many years ago? See, I've been around a while, and I remember when they were saying this. You know what they said? We don't, we're going to take America without firing a shot. You know what they're doing? 
for taking America without firing a shot. This has nothing to do with politics today, okay? It's the state of our world. It's the state of where we live. It's not about who is in office. It's about what we are facing in America. We got prayer out of the schools. We got word out of the schools. We've done everything opposite of what God wanted us to do. And the Bible said the nation that forgets God is going to be turned into hell. Don't you ever forget that. That's in the Bible. The nation that forgets God is going to be turned into hell. We've allowed all kind of sin. You say, well, preacher, we need to have more love. Look, I love every man that walks in this building. I love every sinner out on the streets of Monroe, Louisiana. I love everybody, everybody everywhere, but I will not condone sin. I will stand as Jesus stood. He got angry and turned the tables to money changers out and turned their tables over. I've come to declare war because you see his fan is in his hand and either you are or you are not. Either you got it or you don't have it. Either you're going to live it or you're not going to live it at all is in your court today. You can't serve God on Sunday and Wednesday and live like the devil the rest of the week. Would y'all just smile so I know you're not mad? But if you are mad, I'm doing good. I hope you're more than mad. I hope you're concerned. And I hope it's hitting you right here. There's a parable in the scriptures about wheat and tares. You know what the Lord said in this parable? He said the enemy came at night and sowed sowed tares in the wheat field. And he said, you leave them alone. He said, don't try to pull them up because if you, if you go to pull up tares, you tear up the crop. The most common kind of weed or a tear in the Holy Land is called the bearded darnel. It is a poisonous grass, almost indistinguishable from wheat until it grows to maturity. Thus, It is uprooted just before the harvest to be bundled and burned. That's a fact. Jesus said, the enemy, while men slept, sowed tares in the wheat. Our task is not to pull up tares. Our task is to love you and to try to teach you and to try to guide you in the doctrines and the truths of Jesus Christ. But the truths, if it don't settle in your heart, you can easily become a tear. And even though you're going, I'm preaching today, you're going through the motions and it's just kind of like, okay, I'll show up. Okay, I'll pay my tithes. Okay, I'll show up to this or I'll do that or I'll be involved here. I'm not worried about any of that today. Here's what I'm more worried about. Are you growing as a tear? 
tear that's going to be bundled in the crop and thrown away? Are you going, are you growing as a Christian and loving God and becoming spiritually mature and unified with Christ? Or is it just a game to you? I'm asking you today, is it 24-7 for God or is it just on Sundays and Wednesdays? Is it just when you're around the church crowd? let you go home think about it but his fan is in his hand it's the end of time no time for games if you believe what I'm saying you haven't got time to rest. You don't have time to back up. You don't, time, you don't have time to bury your talent. Y'all with me? You don't, you don't have time to say later. It's urgent. It's urgent. It's because the church is winding up. And the bride is getting her garments ready. And we are almost home. But today, he told me to tell you, my fan is in my hand. My fan is in my hand. Do you understand what that's coming from? Do you understand what the writer was saying? Listen to this. Listen to this. The ancient process of threshing is one of the most striking scriptural images of the division between righteous and unrighteousness in the kingdom of God and at the end of the church age. Listen to this. In Bible times, grain was laid out on a level and hard beaten plot in open air called the threshing floor. That's where it was taken. The grain was either beaten or flails or with flails or tread by oxen to beat out the grains. I looked this up, to beat out the grains. This produced husk and broken straw, which was to be discarded, to separate it. You ready? The grain was tossed in the air with a winnowing fan where the wind would catch the lighter chaff and blow it out. But of the heavier grain, it fell back to the ground. And finally, the piles of chaff were burned in case the wind changed and it might blow again into the grain. When the writer said, when John the Baptist said, he's coming and his fans in his hand, he was referring to a threshing floor where the grain is going to be tossed into the air. My God, if we've ever been tossed, we're tossed right now. If we've ever been thrown into the air, we're being thrown right now because the winds of time, the pandemics, the trouble, the war, the groups, 
the things that have risen against Christianity in the church, the things that have come against the people of God in these last days were being thrown. Let me tell you, let me tell you what the pandemic done. Let me tell you, and I'm looking around here today and I know what I'm talking about. It separated already some of the sheep and the goats. Yes, it did. It separated some folks that said, oh yeah, we're a member of that church, but you know what? You don't see them anymore because in a pandemic, they, they didn't hit the floor as the grain, but they blew away as a chaff. The trying times of the last days are upon us. Paul said, yet once more, I shake not the earth only, but also heaven, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. His fan is in his hand. I'm not here to judge you today. I'm here for you to judge yourself. But the preaching of the word of the Lord ought to stir us to a place where we find us an altar by ourselves and do some soul searching and say, God, Am I really the man that I ought to be? Am I really the child of God that I ought to be? Am I really serving you the way I ought to serve you? Am I giving you my very best? Or has this just become a game to me? You know what a parent does in the morning? You know what a parent does when his kids are asleep? You know what he does when he wakes him, when he gets him up? I've done it many times. Wake up, son. Wake up. Just a gentle nudge. Am I right? Just a little shake. Wake up. Time to get up. You know what happens when they roll back over? Hey! It gets a little harder. Son, get up. It's time for school. You know what God's doing? Just a little nudge. But don't you ever forget it. Judgment day is just around the corner. Judgment day is just around the corner. You better hear this pastor today. If you're playing church and you're going through motions and it's all a game to you, you better hear this preacher this morning. His fan is in his hand and he's about to separate the chaff from the wheat. Where are you going to land? Shall we stand? Mm, mm. Talk to us, Jesus. Just talk to us today. I'm serious about this. I'm serious about going to heaven. I'm serious about laying it all down for the Lord. I told the God the Lord that I serve many, many times. Lord, I'd rather not have one thing in this world and go to heaven. Take my house, take my cars, take my land, take my bank account, take my possessions, take everything I've got. But save me. Save me. I'm serious about going here. I'm, is anybody else serious about going to heaven today? His fan is in his hand. Say, preacher, are you saying we're not living right? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's very easy to get rocked to sleep in the complacency of Laodicea. It's very easy to become, become one of those indifferent Christians. 
It's just a continuation of what I taught on Wednesday night. It's very easy to become lax. It's very easy to have apathy. It's very, you know what the Bible said in the last days because he hadn't come, Donna, there's going to be scoffers that say where are the signs of his coming. He hadn't come yet. You've been preaching that. You know what? I've been preaching 50 years and Jesus hadn't come. But you think I'm going to quit preaching that now? I'm telling you we are now closer than when we first believed. We are near the end of Jesus coming, the end of time and Jesus coming back. He's coming to get a church who's laid themselves ready. A church that is on fire for God. He's not coming back for people that are playing games. Well, I don't know if I'll serve God or not. It depends on how it hits me today. You better get the yawn off. You better get a glimmer in your eye. You better get a fire in your soul. You better know where you're headed today because he's saying is in his hand. 